Hey, I want to talk to you guys about something new called burnout in the healthcare industry. I think it's important to talk about what you guys think. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic about it. It is extremely important and we need to talk about it and how it relates to your personal finances. They grind it out all day long and go home at night and they're just same thing next day. There's nothing new in their life. And so it's that sort of boredom and the loss of joy. You know, you're not, you're not enjoying the job that you went to med school for. Emergency doctors are the canary in the coal mine. They're, they're burning out faster than the rest of us uh, because they're the ones that are there 24-7, 365, holding the whole Canadian non-system together. So number one is paperwork. That is the number one burnout cause of, of doctors in the, uh, you know, the developed world. How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for healthcare professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. I have a guest with me today, and it's uh, Dr. John Crosby, who's going to tell us a little bit about burnout. Good morning, Dr. Uh, Crosby. How are you doing? Great. Okay, so uh, welcome to the show. Uh, everybody, I've got uh, Dr. John Crosby here with me this morning. And uh, Dr. Crosby is uh, someone that I've got connected uh, with through a conference. Uh, and uh, we've connected with each other because uh, Dr. Crosby has a very a special uh, interest and expertise in the um, topic of physician burnout and maybe healthcare professional burnout as well. And so before we dive into this topic, I, let me just ask uh, Dr. Crosby to introduce himself uh, and uh, also say a few words about know how he got interested into this topic and what is what are you currently doing well thank you Vu I'm really uh, pleased to be on your podcast uh, I was born in Sarnia 73 years ago and uh, I'm a family doctor in Cambridge Ontario Canada and have been for the last 28 years uh, for the 20 years before that I was an emergency doctor so and I also have uh, two nursing homes so I've sort of done everything in medicine from, you know, dealing with people in a couple of minutes to 108-year-olds. Uh, I got interested in burnout, oh, 30 or 40 years ago, just because I saw so many doctors stressed out and just unhappy and trouble with alcohol and divorce and didn't know their kids. And, you know, I, I come from an era with the boomers where most doctors were workaholics and had very unbalanced lives. And I just didn't want to do that. I, uh, I came, started with when we did every single thing in medicine, you know, house calls, ran the hospital, did the eMERGE, did your office, you were full tilt, like most small doc town doctors are like that today. 
So I didn't want that. I wanted to have a life. I wanted to have time for my wife and kids and myself. Uh, I wanted to balance. I wanted to be a good doctor and help people, but I also wanted to work hard and play hard. So that's really how I got into burnout. And uh, uh, I've written a book about it, and it's free. You can get a free ebook. And because doctors don't have time to to read the book, uh, they can listen to it on uh, uh, Bluetooth while they're driving their car. Uh, I also uh, have lectured on this uh, around the world uh, over a hundred times, including in Tahiti, which was great. That helped my burnout. So I'm, I'm just, and I write a blog for the Medical Post too about it. I also offer free mentoring as well. Anybody uh, can hook up with me and be mentored over the phone uh, to help themselves uh, be better time managers and stress managers. Very good, um, Dr. Crosby. Thank you. Um, you mentioned the book uh, is free for download and also the audio book. Um, is it something you can share with us, uh, with our podcaster, how, how to get that? Yeah, the way you get that and the free mentoring and everything free is just email me on my personal email. It's drjohncrosby at rogers.com. So D-R-J-O-H-N-C-R-O-S-B-Y at rogers.com. Okay, thank you very much uh, for sharing that. Um, so I think we're gonna be looking forward to this chat. So, you know, you and I chatted before and you brought up a very interesting statistic. Do you mind sharing that with us uh, over the airwaves? Yeah, this blew me away. Just last week, uh, I read an article, which I'll share with you, uh, that 80% of emergency doctors are burned out. Just as a side note, the article that Dr. Crosby is referring to is published in the Canadian Journal of Emergency Medicine in September uh, of 2020, so just recently, volume 22, issue number 5, page 603 to 607, and the article is titled Emergency Medicine Physician Burnout and Wellness in Canada Before COVID-19, a National Survey. And now back to Dr. John Crosby. And also last year, the, the Canadian Medical Association Journal uh, did a study showing that 40% of all uh, doctors and residents uh, uh, are burnt out. So, but the 80% blew me away. And I think that shows emergency doctors are the canary in the coal mine. They're, they're burning out faster than the rest of us uh, because they're the ones that are there 24 seven, 365, holding the whole Canadian non-system together. Yeah, and you know, as an eMERGE doc myself, and you're as well an eMERGE doc, this really hits home. Um, and you and I have talked about this, that the emergency department is open 24 seven, 365. And we are, for some people, and for most people, the only gateway to advanced diagnostics and treatment to the hospital. And so it's not surprising that, you know, in some ways, uh, the merch docs and the emergency departments and the nurses included uh, are is supporting this, what we call the non-Canadian healthcare system, a very fragmented system that is uh, slowly dying, by the way. You asked me, Vu, about what's my definition of uh, burnout? Yeah. So I'm just going to read this to you. Uh, and people can find this online if you just go to the website Mind Tools, like M I N D 
second word tools, T-O-O-L-S. Just Google that. And you can actually take a test to see if you're burnt out. It takes you five minutes to do it. And here's the definition of it. Uh, it's when passionate, committed people become deeply disillusioned with a job that they once previously derived uh, much of their identity and meaning. Now, to break that down into plain English, that means we, we all came out of medical school loving being doctors or nurse practitioners or physician assistants or nurses or administrators. And, you know, we were so happy when we got accepted and going through med school and residency. And then we slowly, slowly had that joy squeezed out of us for a, a million different reasons. And so now when you're burnt out, you've lost that joy, that passion. And, you know, we just kind of Dread, dread getting up in the morning and going in to another day. Yeah, I mean, uh, and it's and it's very slow and it's very insidious uh, until you know one hits a wall, usually in the form of uh, a marriage breakdown or usually in the form of a lawsuit <laughs> or a college complaint um, or a complaint to your chief or something like that. And so it's it's very insidious and people don't recognize it. And so, you know, talking about recognition, uh, so we know what the definition is. And, you know, I think some of us, if not most of us, are burnt out without knowing it, without recognizing it. Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, one of the symptoms is loss or lack of empathy. Um, what are the other symptoms that, that people should look? Yeah, it's, it's called the Maslach burnout scale, and it's in Mind Tools. So go to Google Mind Tools and take the test. And uh, so some of the things on the on the test, I'm just reading them here now for you is number one is I feel run down and drained of physical or, and emotional and energy. So just like you say, you know, you're tired all the time, you hate to go to work, you, you lose empathy for the patients, you know, you're just thinking of getting done. Uh, you're thinking of your next vacation. And <clears throat> here's a real tip. Uh, you go on vacation and you come back and you don't feel any better vacations don't work anymore. I mean, I used to live for vacations and then uh, I'm lucky I've never been burnt out because I'm a lot like you. I keep changing the game up. You know, I have done about 20 different jobs. So, but a lot of doctors get into a specialty or family practice and they, they grind it out all day long and go home at night. And they're just same thing next day. There, there's nothing new in their life. And so it's that sort of boredom and the loss of joy, you know, you're not, you're not enjoying the job that you went to med school for. Um, I have negative thoughts about my job. I'm harder, it's harder to be, and I'm less sympathetic with people. That's the hardest part. I always found that hard. And I actually quit family practice when I first started 48 years ago, because I just had no empathy for patients. Like, I'd never had any trouble in my whole life, you know, I, I was like most of us, you know, top of my class, really smart, lucky, great parents, great education, living in the greatest country in the world. Uh, just everything went my way. I never had a problem. And all of a sudden these people are coming in and they're overweight and they're drinking and they're smoking and they have a crappy marriage and a crappy job. And I had zero empathy. Like, how could you be like, you know, why don't you change jobs? Why don't you get rid of your husband? Why don't you lose weight? Why don't you stop smoking? Like I, now I know how hard it all. Now that I've been married and had loss and 
stress and a mortgage. I, I can empathize totally with, with all, the, except for having a baby, I can empathize with everything. You know, you mentioned the word grind. Uh, and when you said grind, it really spoke to me because that's, that's what we live. Um, a lot of my colleagues, whether they're in family practice or they're in internal medicine or emerge, you know, I heard this word over and over, over again, the word grind, it's just grinding it slowly, slowly throughout the days. Uh, and, um, you know, having, um, for example, if you're, if you're having one job and you're constantly uh, uh, pr imprisoned within four walls, and those four walls could be an office or those four walls could be a hospital, or it could be four imaginary walls too. Uh, and so being in that environment and seeing no escape and having to grind it out every day, uh, is definitely a very bad uh, sensation to have. You're so right. Like you said, it creeps up insidiously. Like we, and you've talked about this too. Uh, and I'm so pleased that you're a leader in this to help us out because it takes a doctor to help a doctor. Like no one else can understand our lives except us. You know, and it takes a cop to understand a cop and a lawyer to understand a lawyer. And it's insidious, you know, we come out of medical school with massive debts. We've been putting off gratification for decades and so is our spouse and our kids. So, you know, we buy a big house with a big mortgage, a nice car, and we deserve that. You know, we wanna take nice vacations, you know, in, in the pre-COVID days, you wanted to, you know, go south in the winter and we deserve that. We've worked hard, you know, we're 30 years old, we've worked our asses off and so, all of a sudden we owe huge amounts of money and then the only way to pay it back is to work harder and longer so we come in earlier we miss coffee break we you know we're working with eating a sandwich at lunch we go home later at night and uh, you know all of a sudden our spouse is getting angry because we're never home so we buy them off with money and toys and gifts and stuff go shopping go shopping and uh, that's how we get into start working saturdays sundays less holidays. And then you wake up one day and you go, my life is horrible. You know, I'm working an 80 hour week. Um, all this money hasn't made me any happier. Uh, my wife's pissed off. I don't know my kids, uh, you know, and then, then you get a lawsuit or a college complaint or malpractice. And that's what, and all, you know, all of us, or you're drinking too much or you're taking medication, you can't sleep. And all of a sudden you wake up one day, you're 45 years old and you go, this is not what I went to medical school for. No. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, thank you for bringing that point up because, you know, we can talk a bit about uh, the different ways to manage the stress and the burnout, but you, you brought up a lot of life situations where a lot of them is not under our control. So I want to maybe bring us to uh, just a shortly uh, briefly, uh, really, uh, on the topic of, you know, one, how to recognize it. And now that I've recognized it, what are the different tools that you recommend uh, using to manage that? And finally, what we'll address is the finance part, because I, I have a special feeling about that and opinion yeah. about that. But I would like to hear your opinion on, you know, when you mentor uh, people who call you directly and email you, and they are burned out, what, what type of uh, solutions or, or uh, therapies that you suggest that have shown to work and that you've implemented and did work for some people? 
Well, what I do when I mentor people is, and I do it right across Canada for in all specialties, like I've done mostly family docs, but I've done obstetricians, I've done surgeons, internists, uh, radiologists, anesthetists, like any doctor, uh, any nurse practitioner, any physician assistant, uh, I've, uh, I'm happy to help. And the problems are all the same. It doesn't matter if you're a pathologist or an eMERGE doc, you know, it it's all comes down to time and money. And uh, so what I do is, you know, we just talk and it's all uh, confidential. And even when I write blogs and stuff, I I always anonymize it and stuff. So you can never recognize yourself there. And I, whenever I write a blog, I always get a pass it through the person that I've interviewed to make sure they're happy with it, uh, just to help other people. So I get them to read my ebook. And then they always say to me, I don't have time to read your ebook. So I say, listen to the audio version of it while you're driving. I get them to, uh, we just start talking about the book. I just go through my book line by line. I mean, I love doing this. Like this is my hobby. It's a way of giving back. I was mentored by really good people. So I'm happy to do it. But we just go through the 12 causes of burnout and then how it relates to you individually. Um, so for those of us who have not read the book yet, um, do you mind sharing with us some of the causes, the 12 causes that you found are probably the most uh, important, at least in your experience that you've dealt with people? What are out of the 12, which are the factors that are coming back over and over again and a lot? Okay, and this is scientifically based. Uh, and there was a Canadian Medical Association journal uh, article two years ago that said, you know, 40% of uh, doctors in Canada are burned out. And then we just have the new one saying that 80% of eMERGE docs are. And then they rank the 12 causes. And the 12 causes are, so number one is paperwork. That is the number one burnout cause of, of doctors in the, uh, you know, the developed world, you know, Europe, Japan, the US, Canada. So paperwork and and then I have a solution so my and I have a video a four minute video and an audio on how to love paperwork so I, I take everything that doctors hate and I go I love it so and here's how I learned to love paperwork and when I say paperwork Vu I mean uh, computer work you know my, my paperwork now is one percent I'm 90 99 percent computerized so I have, here, here is my in-basket right now empty and it's always like that. And my virtual in-basket's empty too. And the reason I love paperwork is because I do it every day and it's in my calendar. Like every other doctor in the world hates it. So it piles up and piles up in their inbox and their virtual inbox. So then they have to do it on Sunday or on their holidays. and. They wreck their lives. So I every morning, right in my calendar, it says eight to nine paperwork. Everything is done by nine o'clock. And then I reward myself. I give myself a coffee. I get to read the newspaper. I'm old, so I'm still reading it on real paper. And uh, so I'm always turning it into a positive. And then I charge $300 to do uh, lawyers' letters and uh, insurance forms. And I give that money to my wife. And then she has a nice fund. So once a year we can go to Toronto and stay at a nice hotel and order room service and go to Raptors games and Leaf game. 
And one other tip for paperwork, when you get a huge form, so somebody comes in and they, they want this big form for a lawyer or an insurance company, it's gonna take a half an hour to do. First of all, I charge $300 an hour. So then it makes me happy. Like money can make you happy yeah. when you're doing bad things. Uh, if you pay me enough, I'll come and, you know, plunge your toilet. So, <laughs> so, uh, and also I bring the patient in. So my secretary knows that she never hands me a fat form. She, the patient walks in with it and we sit there and do it together. I delegate. The secret to time management is delegate, get someone else to do your work for you. So get the patient to help you fill that in. They're happy because it's done and they get paid. You're happy because it's done and it's not threatening you, sitting it, you know, making you feel guilty or making you take it home at night. Instead of lose, 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 it's win, win, win. And you can do that with everything in medicine. Everything in medicine has a trick to turn it from horrible to wonderful. You just have to analyze it and use your your brain that got you here yeah i uh, absolutely agree with that i mean the other the other reason why we would do it with the patient is they actually to get on paper what they want to get on paper right and so yeah. it, it, it helps them tell their side of the story uh, and they usually love that and it, it creates a really good bond between the physician and the patient because you're now you're now doing this together and you're facing the challenge together and patients really love that that's a great idea. And you know, also, Vu, is that's a cause of burnout because if they come in with a big form, you know, to get uh, disability tax credit, which is worth thousands of dollars in income tax uh, in right across Canada. And if they don't qualify, then they're mad at you. Yeah. They said, Dr. Crosby didn't fill this out properly and he's costing me $80,000. So that's anger and they could complain to the college and you're upset and they're upset. So they work with me collaboratively. That's how you get your paperwork is getting done, but you're also avoiding burnout because burnout comes from, you know, every day a, a patient's mad at you. That just takes a little piece out of you that, you know, when you go home at night, you only think about the bad patient that day. You don't think about the 30 people you helped. You think, think about the one guy you pissed off that day. So yeah. how do you avoid pissing off anybody ever? And you can do that. You there. There are the same things happen constantly, and it's in my book, how to deal with that, how to deal with difficult patients, how to anticipate. You're always going to have trouble with narcotics. You're always going to have trouble with time off work. You know, there's the same things drive us all crazy constantly. Yeah, absolutely. So let's um, delve into the next few points. So what are the second and third uh, factors? Okay. Number two is less control over workloads. So you, you, you just have to say, I, I can only do the best that I can do. And when you walk in to see that patient that's been waiting eight hours and they're already mad at you, they're mad at you and they don't even know you. You just walked on shift at eight in the morning. Guy says, I've been waiting here eight hours, doc. Uh, now you can either get in a fight with him and say, I just walked in the door and screw you. Or you can say, gee, I'm really sorry. I really feel badly. Uh, we're overwhelmed here. And I apologize. Like, you don't have to get in a fight with the guy. Yeah. So put it back on the patient. But don't yell at the patient. Don't get mad at the patient. Because then if things go wrong, they'll complain about you. They'll sue you. If you're nice to them. I was always nice to the patients in the emergency department and my own patients, even when they were jerks and drunks and abusing me and horrible people. 
I always rose above it. I always thought there's there's a backstory for this guy. He may be depressed. He may have lost his best friend yesterday. I gave them the benefit of the doubt. I never got it. Why get into a battle? You're, you, after 10 minutes, you're never going to see these people again. No. They sue you or complain to the college, and then you'll see them for the next 10 years of your life. So is it worth it? No. So and I don't, and I've only been sued once, and I've only had one college complaint in 48 years. So, And I'm not that bright. So you know, uh, it, but I've learned ways to handle people so that they don't sue me and they don't uh, complain about me. Yeah. And those are battles we won't win anyways. What's the third uh, factor? Okay. Physician voices ignored. And that's, that's been forever for the 48 years I've been a doctor and I'm sure since Aristotle and the original doctor. And so, you know, I always say to doctors when they whine about this stuff, uh, run for run for parliament, you know, run for government, you know, you can, you can become the premier, there's been prime ministers and premiers that are doctors, Go, volunteer for committees, you know, serve your uh, uh, local planning boards, I mean, it's going to take time, you, it's hard for us, because we're so used to fixing everything in five minutes, you know, somebody comes in with chest pain, you put them on a protocol, you thrombolize them, somebody comes into your office with fatigue, you run a bunch of tests, all of a sudden, you want to change something in your hospital or your clinic or your town, you're going to have to sit on committees, spend time. It's like turning around an aircraft carrier. You ain't yeah. going to do it in five minutes. No. That's where doctors get into trouble because they're not used to hearing the word no. And you're going to hear the word no when you try to change the system. What's the rest? Number four, five, six. Okay. Uh, government can't manage the system. So same yeah. answer. Raising patient entitlement. And that is from Dr. Google. Dr. Right. Google is the biggest stressor, I think, for doctors nowadays. That never used to happen. I've never had to deal with that up until the last five years of my 48 years of being a doctor. So that's hard on all of us and patients demanding stuff. You know, they're sitting in your waiting room. They have a headache. They're Googling it. They, they, have a, they must have a brain tumor. They must, they need an MRI. So they walk in the door and say, I need an MRI for your, my headache. You know, I, I've seen tens of thousands of headaches. I've seen two brain tumors in my whole career and they didn't even present with headaches. They presented with, you know, <coughs> seizures or focal weakness, stuff like that. So yeah. they got a CAT scan because we were looking for strokes. Yeah. So patient entitlement is horrific and, and it's getting worse and worse forever and ever and it's never gonna go away yeah no um and it's something that uh, i've also recognized since i started practicing and I, I haven't practiced that long i mean it's only since 2000 and already i see that getting worse over time absolutely what are the other factors that are remaining uh, we'll just go through them quickly yeah i'll go through a uh, fear of college complaints we talked about that yeah uh, fear of malpractice uh Less prestige. Who I always go, who cares? Yeah. Lack of a unified voice. If you have 10 doctors, you will have 11 opinions. And that's why we don't have pensions or benefits. You know, teachers, teachers have pen pensions, benefits. They get to quit when they're 55 because they have a unified voice. They all back each other. Yeah. But because, because we're all such idiots and we all fight each other constantly, governments can exploit that. And that's why we have crappy uh, working conditions because we can never go ahead and say we need a pension or we need 
I mean, none of we, we don't even have drug plans. And no. the public has no idea that we don't. The public no. thinks we have all this stuff. Yeah. You know, we're idiots. Uh, EMRs. Now, my EMR is wonderful, and it takes away my stress. But there's a lot of crappy EMRs, especially in hospitals and nursing homes, that add to stress. Absolutely. Uh, bullying. And... Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. So that's a very good exhaustive list. Uh, I think I think a lot of the um, a lot of the factors. Some of them we can control. Some of them we can't control. Uh, we can't control government, but uh, everything else, I think it's within our power to control. And so coming back to that, the control and the things that we can do. Um, so what would you say would be the top three? Uh, effective uh, measures a physician can take, or and that doesn't have to be physician. Anybody in healthcare can take to uh, sort of manage the the stress or try to treat the burnout. Well, the number one thing is get a mentor. You need a mentor. You need someone outside you that can advise you because you can't do this yourself. It's like when patients come to us to stop smoking or lose weight or control their blood pressure or pain or something they're we're their mentor we're telling we stand aside from them we have skill we can look back and be very very uh objective about how to change your life so and once again i offer that for free but you can get a you know pick a mentor wherever you are somebody you respect an older doctor that has a good lifestyle that you respect and you know take them out to lunch and pick their brains and say why are you still enjoying medicine after 30 or 40 years? Like, what mm -hmm. are the trade? And they're happy to do that. They're happy to share that with you. Yeah. And then number two is to uh, start to look at your whole life. Uh, what you eat, what are you exercising? Why are you not exercising? Are you a good time manager? Are you getting home in time from work at night? Uh, things like that, uh, things like yoga and meditation, uh, all that stuff is really important and you, it's really helps you, but you have to do it all together. You can't, yoga is not going to cure a full waiting room. You need to do it all, uh, taking proper holidays, uh, handling your paperwork. You've got to do everything holistically. It, it's not like a buffet where you can pick and choose a food here or shrimp there or a steak there. You got to eat the whole buffet. Okay. And would, would there be a third um, therapeutic option that you would also recommend? Uh, courses are good. Uh, yeah. There's courses out there and uh, books to read. Uh, there's a really good book from an American doctor. His name is uh, Dyke Drummond. Yeah, I know him. Stop Physician Burnout. And it's excellent. And I read that. And it's a real easy read. You know, he was a family doctor in the U.S. that was burned out. And he runs courses around the world. And one thing I learned from him that I never knew before was he said, vacations do not uh, cure a toxic workplace. So you can take all the vacations in the world. If you come back to a toxic workplace, you're, uh, it's not going to work. So, John, um, thank you for sharing all that. And I want to come to one last point, which is because this podcast is about, you know, healthcare professional and their finances. Um, notwithstanding what you mentioned earlier, the mentor, 
the different lifestyle and yoga and mindfulness and you know changing time and and controlling time management notwithstanding all that i i'm a believer that a lot of the burnout that we face is due to the fact that you know for some reason whether it's wanted or it's forced upon us that we work very hard we work very long hours and i call that you know running on the hamster treadmill and the reason for that is because one we are very hard working people to begin with that's how we got into medicine or that's how we got into healthcare but the other reason why we do this is because we haven't set ourselves right financially the moment we graduate and so you mentioned this earlier that um you know we work long hours because of the grind and we grind it out because of the different financial choices we've made as young brand new grads and one of the few examples we've chatted about this is the fact that you know you you mentioned deferred gratification we've been deferring gratification for so long that when we come out you know sky's the limit we suddenly go from a resident salary to a staff salary and depending on the specialty it may be 10 15 20 times what we were making as a resident and we've been we've been you know starved for so long that when we come out we're now you know coming into money and we feel justified that we now can spend because we've been deferred for so long and so many of us choose and make financial decisions that are not necessarily the brightest uh down the road it may it may seem very interesting and seem right at the time that we're doing it because you know we've bought this brand new car the sports car or you know we bought this 3 4 million dollar home in in Oakville or in Markham and we feel justified because we've waited and starved so long for it and so a lot of the times we put ourselves in these financial situations where now we're handcuffed because we now have to service that debt uh, pay the mortgage but, but also pay back the loan that we've accumulated along the way and so we work harder we work longer and we work um faster just to service those debts and from for me we some some of us put ourselves in that situation and i and i believe that the financial decisions that we've made sort of contributes to part of that burnout i mean notwithstanding the social societal expectations and the lack of control and and government and all that but in my mind the financial situation is something we can control um after given you know many talks and mentored people what are your thoughts on that yeah you hit it you totally hit it right on the the nail on the head and you know i'll add one more thing to everything you said but also uh, we spend our gross and not our net and for people who don't understand that because we have no training at all in finance so we're like babies and everybody goes oh rich doctor oh boy and everybody lines up for you financial advisors insurance guys your banker is willing to let you have as much money as you want to hang yourself with because we're fabulous and we'll always pay it back no matter what and even if we die we have life insurance for it so we're when you walk into a banker's office he just salivates and so we have no clue at all and, and like you say our first paycheck rolls in and it's 10 times what we made as a resident and we forget about things called the Canadian Revenue Agency 
that you have to pay 50% taxes on. So, and your spouse has put up with this crap for 10 years being married to you and they want to buy some nice clothes and shoes and, you know, have a nice house and a nice car and they should, we should have it. So, and appliances and everything. So you're just spending like a drunken sailor for those first 10 years. And once again, you wake up and you go, Christ, you know, I owe $2 million here. And, and interest rates are really low now. But I mean, I come from the 70s where we had 20% interest rates. Imagine your mortgage at 20%. You have a million dollar home. That's $200,000 a year just in interest. So, and those times can come again and will come again because we're in such a massive debt worldwide now with COVID. So we have to start, you know, paying down our debts. You don't need the $5 million home. Get a good financial advisor that knows doctors. Uh, try not to get too much more in debt if you can start paying it off because debt is you're just paying someone else's mortgage. Yeah, I think you... Um you've talked about this uh, when we chatted earlier, you know, we as brand new grads and as people who come out in practice, we tend to imitate uh, our, um, you know, our superiors or doctors who've done it, who now owns the house and owns the cottage and owns this, you know, Mercedes Benz and whatnot. And we try to imitate them. But you, you mentioned earlier, you bought your home and you bought your cottage when it was the 1970s and 1980s a different time back then uh and but your your junior grads see you with that and they don't understand uh one the, the context in which you bought them but two they also were in a different environment now and trying to replicate what you're doing now in the first five years of the practice is it's not the same thing you you comment on that a little bit yeah i think you're you're absolutely right and we started with a small modest home you know it was forty four thousand dollars i remember it and I, couldn't sleep at night. I owed so much money, but I was only making 30,000 a year and the interest rates were 20%. So as a percentage of my income, it's the same as what you're facing today. And uh, like I said, I drive my cars for 10 years. Like <clears throat> you can't afford a new car every four years. So start off modestly. You don't need that big home right off the bat. And then we bought a bigger home once we started having kids. Young doctors today are way better than the, my in my day when I was young. Like I think doctors are terrific today, far less materialistic and far more dedicated and really good people. You know, we're we're, we're improving the breed. Yeah, I, I feel that way too. And but I still want to make sure that you know we don't fall into the same traps as you know all of us uh, were in the past. And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, physicians from a financial literacy standpoint are babies. Um, and so there's a lot of things we don't understand and we try to get it right. And so in, in my mind, um, one of the ways to prevent and also a small treatment and cure for burnout is first to avoid it. And so to avoid running on that hamster treadmill because we don't have to anymore. And the only not the only, but one of the things that we can actually control are our financial decisions. A lot of things we can't control. I can't control Dr. Google, but I can control my own um, finances and, and financial decisions. So I think for me, uh, that's the one good, one good way to start. And uh, thank you for sharing your experience and your knowledge with us. 
Um, any any final last words for the audience? If if there's something you want to say, it's burning inside you right now. You need to get it out. What would that be? Well, thank you very much for this platform. I appreciate it. And please, everybody, uh, email me. I can help you. This is a preventable problem and it's a treatable problem. So if you haven't got it, you can prevent it. If you have it, you can treat it. This is not a terminal problem. It's not like having you know, a horrible cancer stage four that you're gonna die of. This is preventable and treatable. So reach out and I'm happy to help. Thank you very much for that optimistic message. I think everybody needed to hear that. But uh, I also want to thank you on behalf of the entire community for the help that you do and, and the altruistic um, motivation that you have. Um, it's really, really something that uh, I admire the, and, and I look up to. So thank you very much for your time and your commitment. Um, and uh, the fact that it's free, I think everybody loves it. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it, it does take time from, from you and from your family. So thank you from the bottom of, of our hearts. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.